Take your copy of God's Word, open up to the second book in your Bible, the book of Exodus and chapter 20. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 20 uh, together this morning. If you've ever been uh, to the gym, then you've probably seen someone using a piece of exercise equipment in a way that shows that they probably don't know what they're doing. And there might be a 50% chance that that was your pastor that you saw misusing a piece of exercise equipment. Maybe you've seen someone using, uh, you know, a piece of exercise equipment that was meant for the upper body and they're hanging on it upside down by their legs. Uh, that shows you they, they, they do not know what they're doing and it's a surefire way to, to hurt yourself or to, to damage a piece of equipment because <clears throat> when you ignore the way that something was intended to function, it's just a matter of time before something malfunctions or breaks. That's pretty simple. I want you to think about that as we look at the Ten Commandments uh, in these weeks, because the series title uh, for this, uh, th this uh, sermon series that we've been doing in Exodus chapter 20 is Flourish. And I want you to think about what images that that, that, that evokes in your mind, flourish. It means to thrive. It means to do well. Uh, here in East Texas with the wonderful rain that we get, if you go into our backyard, there are flowers and they are flourishing, they're thriving, they're doing well. And uh, God wants you to flourish in your life. He, he wants you to do well. He wants you to thrive. And that's what the Ten Commandments are designed to help us to do, to, to live our lives in the way that God designed for them to be lived. But when we ignore the way that God has created life to work, things malfunction and break. So if you steal at work, then you will experience the brokenness of, of perhaps losing your job if you get discovered. If you commit adultery in your marriage, you're going to experience the brokenness of a torn apart heart and home. This morning, I want to talk about a commandment out of the 10 that most of us think that we can ignore without consequence. And in fact, this is maybe the most ignored commandment out of the 10. I want to look this morning at how God has designed our lives to function and, and how if we ignore this, it, it will just be a matter of time before something gives way and breaks. I'm going to be talking with you for a few moments about the fourth commandment, which is a command to remember to rest. Let's say that together. Remember to rest. God has designed you to have a healthy rhythm of work and rest. He has designed you by the very way you've been created from the beginning <clears throat> to work and then to rest. But we often give in to endless work, working without resting. And endless work is something that will cause the machinery of your life to malfunction and will hurt you in the long run. So I want you to think about that as we look at Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to read verses 8 through 11. This is what God's Word says. Exodus 20, beginning in verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. Let's say that word together. Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock or the resident alien who's within your gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them in six days, and then He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. 
Remember to rest. This is the first commandment out of the 10 that we've looked at so, so far. We've looked at three. This is commandment number four. This is the first commandment, commandment that is stated as a positive. Uh, the first three commandments, it is uh, do not, do not uh, make other gods, uh, uh, make, make idols. Do not have other gods before me. Do not take up the name uh, of the Lord in vain. This is the first one stated as a positive. To remember, we are to remember to Sabbath, to rest uh, one day out of seven. It's, uh, this commandment is the most common commandment that you will find in your Old Testament. Out of the 10 commandments, this is the one that's repeated the most in the Old Testament. That's not even included in the New Testament. But you'll find this over 100 times in your Old Testament. Just in the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, you'll find it 11 times in the Pentateuch alone. God wants you to know this is important. You're to remember to rest. And God thinks that it needs to be uh, repeated again and again, that we need reminding. We're told to remember, to rest. Why are we told to remember it? Because it's easy to forget, to just keep on working. But God has created a rhythm of work and rest so that we will flourish in our lives. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to ask three questions of the text. We're just going to walk through one by one. Number one, what is Sabbath? Uh, number two, what is Sabbath about? Okay, or what makes it important? And then number three, who is Sabbath for? Okay, so first of all, what is, what is Sabbath? Well, the first thing you need to know about Sabbath is that that word simply means to stop. Okay, in fact, it comes from a Hebrew word, Shabbat. And this is how I learned to remember that in college Hebrew. Shabbat means to stop. Okay, can we say that together? You ready? You're going to learn a Hebrew word. Shabbat means to stop. Okay, so what does Sabbath mean? It means to stop. So the first thing that we need to know about Sabbath is that it is a day of stopping. Okay, notice again, verses 9 and 10. Verse 9, you're to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a stop. A day of stopping to the Lord your God. So verse 9 and 10 says, we're to work for six days, but on the seventh day, you must not do any work. That's what God says. If you want to live the way God has designed life to work best, if you want to function without malfunction, if you want to flourish in your life, then you need to have a healthy rhythm of working and then stopping. You were not made for Endless work, that bears repeating. You were not made, y'all listening? You need to hear this. You were not made for endless work. You were made to work and then rest. You're active and then you stop. A lot of people get hung up when they think about Sabbath on the question of, well, what day should I stop? And so some people say, well, the Israelites, you know, took Friday as a Sabbath. You look at the New Testament, Christians take the day of the resurrection as kind of that one day a week, and so they stop on Sunday. Listen, I don't want us to get caught up on which day that is. The point is simply this. God created us for a healthy rhythm of working and then, and then stopping. Working for six, stopping for one. Once a week, you need a day just to cease doing and embrace just being. You spend six days in the midst of busyness, noise, production, stress, anxiety, 
clutter and responsibility, but then on one day a week, you say no to all of that, and you just stop. Sabbath is saying no to important things so that you can say a better yes to the ultimate things. I love the way Eugene Peterson defines Sabbath. He says that Sabbath is uncluttered time and space to distance ourselves from the frenzy of our own activities so that we can see what God has been and is doing. Now, that's pretty good. I love that definition, uncluttered time and space. You know, most of us live in cluttered space and cluttered time. Can I get a witness or am I the only one? We live in a life of clutter. Busy, busy, busy. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Hurry, we know, is the opposite of godliness. You can't have a spiritual life in the midst of hurry and busy and rush. And so Sabbath is a day of uncluttered time, uncluttered space, so that you can detach from the busyness of life for one day to pay attention to God, to become aware of His presence in your life, to become aware of what He has been doing and is, is doing. So Sabbath is a day for stopping. God invites us to do something very counterintuitive, and that is in the midst of a busy life, to step back from the production, to step back from the busyness, and say no to those things so that we can give a better yes to other things. One writer said that Sabbath is countercultural because it's a day when Christians just refuse to show up. And I like that. It's a day where you refuse to show up it's a day for stopping. Second of all, it's a day, the Bible tells us, a day of blessing. Notice in verse 11, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, everything in it. Then he rested on the seventh day. And therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. He blessed it. This is one day that has blessing attached to it. God says uh, of, of uh, all of his creative work, it is good. In Genesis chapter 1, it is good, it is good, it is good. But there's one day that he, he says more than it is good. He says it's blessed. And that's the one day of stopping in the week. The, the one day a week's day of stopping is a, a day of blessing. If you want to be blessed and step into the arena of God's blessing, you'll experience it when you observe that one day a week day of stopping. Listen, I want you to think about Sabbath this way. Sabbath is a gift that God made in order to bless you. Okay, you remember Jesus, he, he had quite a bit of Sabbath controversy if you read about his life, you know, what he'd sometimes eat things on the Sabbath that would kind of raise an eyebrow, you know, in that day. And people would criticize him, religious leaders especially would criticize how Jesus observed the Sabbath. And you remember in one of those conversations in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus responded by saying, you know, man was not made for the Sabbath, Sabbath was made for man. I want you to really think about that, that God actually made this day for you. It's a day where you can experience God's blessing. And so it's a day that God blesses. It's a gift God made to bless you. But there's a third thing that I want you to notice about Sabbath, and that's it, that, that is that it's also a day of holiness. Notice in verse 8 and verse 11, it kind of serves as bookends for this little section. But in verse 8, we're told to remember the Sabbath day in order to keep it holy. You see it there. And then verse 11, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he declared it holy. Do you know that the first thing that God ever called holy 
was not a place, it was not even a person, it was a time. Sabbath, this one day out of seven to take a break. God calls that holy. That means it is holy time. Uh, the word holy just means it's set apart. It's distinct. It's different. It, there's something unique about this day. And it is a day that is claimed by God, and it is meant for God. So as we think about what is Sabbath, this tells us that Sabbath is not merely a day off. Just taking a day off once a week is a pseudo-Sabbath. Now, this is a day to stop, but it's a day of stopping for a purpose. And the purpose is to glorify God, to worship God, to focus our attention on the Lord. Sabbath is a holy time, a time to be focused on the Lord and the things of the Lord. Uh, Stanley Hauerwas and Will Willeman say this, that Sabbath is not just about taking time off. It is retaking time, taking time in God's name, which is no small witness to a world deluded into thinking that time is its own. Our time is not our own. Like life itself, time is a gift of God. Thus, it is accountable to God. And so the Sabbath is a day to stop. It's a day to experience God's blessing. It's also a day of holiness. It's a day to focus on the Lord and our need for Him. So not just a day of rest, it's also a day of worship set apart by God and for God. It is holy. That is what Sabbath is, a blessed, holy stop. Now, What's Sabbath all about? Why is, it, why is it important? Well, I want to share with you five reasons. If you look across the whole of Scripture, five reasons that a once-a-week day to stop is important. Okay? And I, each of these five reasons uh, or five things uh, begin with the letter L, okay? Because I am a Baptist preacher, all right? So you ready? Here's the first one. Sabbath <clears throat> is about limits. Sabbath is about limits. Why do we have Sabbath? Well, God gives us this one day a week stop to remind us that we are limited creatures, that I am not infinite. I am a finite creature. I'm a dependent creature. I need rest. I wasn't created to be everywhere, to do everything, to know it all, to have it all together. I'm a limited creature, and Sabbath is that weekly reminder that God gives me that I'm limited and that those limitations are a good thing. Now, we rarely think about limitations as a positive. We think about limitations as a negative. But I want to encourage you to think about your limitations as a positive thing. Limitations are a gift if you acknowledge God in the midst of the gift. Because my limitation is a reminder that while I don't have it all together and I can't be everything and I can't be everywhere and I can't do everything, He is and can and does. And I'm limited, but He's not. And so this is the weekly regular reminder that uh, I don't have it all together, that I can't be everywhere and do everything, but God can. God is God. I am not. I'm reminded of my limitations, which is a, a reminder that I need each and every week. I love the way Pete Scazzaro talks about limitations. He says limits offer us so many gifts. They protect us so that we don't hurt ourselves, others, or God's work. They keep us grounded and humble reminding us that we are not in charge of running the world. Don't we need reminding of that from time to time? That we're not in charge of running the world. Limits are places that we encounter God in ways that would otherwise be impossible. Have you ever noticed that in your life? When you feel like you have it all together or that you have everything you need, 
you're not very aware of God. Have you ever noticed that, uh, at least this is true in my life, I seem to pray more when life is really hard. Anybody else? You go through something really difficult, maybe a tragedy, a grief, uh, maybe something where you run into a wall and, or you run into a need, and it's like, man, all of a sudden, I'm just so much more aware of my need for God. When I have everything I think I need, I'm much less attuned to God's presence or my need for God in, in, in life. And so limitations are that, that, that thing that God puts into your life that makes you know you need Him, which is such a gift, isn't it? And so the limitation, the weekly limitation of Sabbath rest just reminds me of my need for the Lord. So that's the first thing. It's about limits. Number two, the flip side of the coin is that Sabbath is about lordship. Okay, if it's true that I'm limited, the flip side of that coin is to recognize that God is not limited. And Sabbath is a weekly reminder that he is Lord. That means he's large and in charge that he is God over all, that he's running the universe. If I'm not in charge of running the world, he is in charge of running the world. If I'm limited, he is Lord. And a weekly Sabbath reminds me of that. So think about Sabbath not just as a time to, re- to, uh, a time to rest, but a time to reorient. Uh, Sabbath is a weekly re- reorientation of my universe to remind myself that everything is not dependent on me, that I can stop, I can rest, I can sleep, I can not show up for a day and everything is going to be just fine. The world is going to keep moving. Why is that? Because he is Lord. He sits on the throne. Uh, When when we stop, one, one author put it this way, that when we stop and we rest and we sleep, nothing essential stops. The world keeps on moving just fine. And so this one day a week stopping is a reminder that I'm not Lord, He is. I'm not in charge of the universe, He is. Things are not dependent on me, they're dependent on Him. And I can rest because He's Lord. He's large and in charge, He's running the world just fine without my help, which means I can take a break. Amen? If you've ever been to New York City, in front of Rockefeller Center, you'll see a very famous uh, sculpture. It's the sculpture of Atlas. How many of you have ever seen the Atlas sculpture in front of Rock Center? And what's Atlas holding? He's bent over and he's holding something? The world. Now, that is, that's the ethos of New York City, isn't it, right? That with, with our power and our uh, skyscrapers and our businesses and our expertise, we're holding the world on our shoulders. But the truth is, any one of us can slip into thinking that the world rests on our shoulders. But Sabbath is a reminder that the world is not on our shoulders, it's on His shoulders. The, 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 the weekly day of rest is a reminder that we're not holding it all together. He is. That there's another Lord. And so if you think that the world is resting on your shoulders, you need a weekly reminder that He's holding the world in His hands. I uh, last year had the opportunity with uh, Amy and our family to, uh, to take a sabbatical uh, at my previous church in West Texas. And you may wonder, what is a sabbatical? Well, that's something pastors and ministers do from time to time, just to take a step back from ministry for a few weeks uh, to reorient and to refresh and refuel and, and come back to it. And I was really nervous leading up to that sabbatical. I'd never taken one before and had come through a really... Uh, exhausting season in the life of our church, having gone through COVID and everything else. And, but I was really nervous because I thought everything's going to fall apart without me. You know, how, how are they going to go on if I'm not there in the center of the universe, right? 
And so I'm really nervous, and first week that I'm gone, I'm just full of anxiety, you know, are things going to fall apart, and are people going to, you know, continue to serve and give and show up and all this stuff, and you know what happened? Uh, It came back a few weeks later, everybody was still there, (laughs) things were going just fine. In fact, it was probably going smoother without me being there. And they didn't, I mean, I, I hope they missed me a little bit, but really they didn't really miss me. Like that things went just fine. And that was very deeply humbling because it meant I'm not as essential as I like to think I am. The world will go on. Things will work fine. I don't have to be the center of it all because why? Because Jesus is Lord. And so Sabbath is a weekly reminder. I'm not as essential as I think I am. Everything essential is going to keep on going because he is Lord of the cosmos. And so I can trust him with that. Listen to a very encouraging verse from God's word. Psalm 121 verses 3 and 4 says this, God will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not, let's say that together, will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. Let me tell you something very encouraging. I can sleep because God never sleeps. I can rest because God's watching over everything. And isn't that something that that we can rest in? That I can take a break. He's still in control. I'm going to wake up the next morning. He's still in control. (laughs) He's got the whole world in his hands. And so Sabbath is about lordship. Let me give you a third one. Sabbath is about leisure. Leisure, that's a word we don't use very often anymore. I want you to notice down in verse 11, it says that God uh, made the, the earth and the sea and everything in it in six days. And then he rested on the seventh day. You see that in the middle of verse 11? He rested on the seventh day. So I want you to think about that word rest. God didn't rest because he was tired. He didn't rest because he needed it, right? We know he's infinite, he's unlimited, he's all powerful. So God doesn't need to rest. Why did he rest on the seventh day? Well, he was modeling for us a rhythm, of working and resting. And I want you to think about that word rest because sometimes we can think about Sabbath as uh, something sort of, you know, very serious. We're to Sabbath. Uh, You know, I remember as a uh, young man in our church uh, there in Houston, we had a Sunday morning service, and then we had a Sunday afternoon service because uh, in Houston, everybody lives three hours from everything. Uh, and so instead of coming back for a Sunday night service, we'd have a Sunday afternoon service. And there was always a weekly pot- potluck. Can I get a witness? Every single week, a potluck. It was delightful. So Sunday morning service, then potluck, and then an afternoon service. But there was always a little break between the potluck and the afternoon service. And so me and my friends, we would, we would go into the back of the church yard and we'd play football. I remember a man coming out there one day very stern and strict, who scolded us for playing football on the Lord's day. Because, you know, the Bible's very clear, thou shalt not play football on the Sabbath. That's in there somewhere. And the idea was sort of, you know, the Sabbath is for worship, it's for the Lord, and so kind of very in a stoic way, no fun, no joy, you know, focus on the Lord, no football. I don't believe that that's what Sabbath is, is about at all. I think the Sabbath is to focus on the Lord. It's a day that God calls holy, but it's also a day of rest. Eugene Peterson says that Sabbath has a twofold purpose, to pray and to play. And I like that. To pray, that means that we, we focus our attention on the Lord. We, we become attentive to his presence in our lives, but we also 
play. And what he means by that is that we enjoy both God and God's gifts. Okay, now that's something you ought to write down. Sabbath is a day to enjoy both God and God's gifts, that God calls us to focus our attention on Him, but He also gives us a day to rest, a day to enjoy, a day for leisure. And so I want to encourage you when, you when you think about Sabbath, understand, as I mentioned before, Jesus said, you're not made for Sabbath. Sabbath was made for you. It's a gift from God for you, and it's meant to be enjoyed. So one day a week you stop, you worship, but you also do what is restful. So I want you to think about that. What is restful for you? Okay. Some of you may say, well, I really love working in my garden. Am I allowed to do that? You know, because it's like work. One person I read this week said, you know, our family rule is we only work if it's a joy. So if, if going out and clipping your roses is joyful for you, if it's restful, even though it's, it's quote unquote work, that would not be a violation of the spirit of Sabbath. The whole idea is that you rest, you do what refuels you, what refills your bucket. Listen, all of us are pouring out all week long, right? You're pouring out for your, your spouse, for your kids, you're pouring out at work, you're pouring out at, at, at church, you're pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. And before long, if you're not careful, you'll start to run on empty and you'll get burned out. At a certain point, you've got to refill your bucket. And Sabbath is that gift from God for you to be able to refill your bucket and to be able to enjoy God and the world that God has, has made. So I encourage you on Sabbath to do whatever it is that refills your bucket. Focus on the Lord and then spend the rest of the day doing what is restful and enjoyable. Have you ever heard the term pleasure stacking? Anybody ever heard that term? That was a new one for me, pleasure stacking. Now, you're probably familiar with the concept. Pleasure stacking is a term that means, uh, it means that you, you fill up a special day doing all of your favorite things on that day. Anybody ever heard of that kind of concept? Like, I'm going to take one day, like maybe it's my birthday, and I'm going to do all my favorite things on that one day. You know, so you start with donuts, <laughs> and it just gets better from there. You know, that's pleasure stacking. Could you imagine doing that every single week on one day of the week? Wouldn't that be, does that sound life-giving? One day a week to say, we're going to focus on what's ultimate. We're going to focus our attention on the Lord. We're going to enjoy God and his people. And then for the rest of the day, we're going to do our favorite things. We're going to do what's restful and enjoyable. Resting, refilling, enjoying God and God's gifts. That's what Sabbath is for. Does it sound wonderful? Can you imagine how life-giving that would be if you did that once a week in the midst of such an anxious life uh, to spend one day enjoying God and His gifts? That's how God designed life to work when you're willing to stop on one day a week. Here's the next one. Sabbath is about longing. It's about longing. <clears throat> what I mean here is this. Ultimately, a weekly Sabbath... A weekly day of stopping points us forward to a greater Sabbath that is to come. Here's what I mean by that. The book of Hebrews, and actually you find this elsewhere in the New Testament, uses the idea of Sabbath rest as a metaphor for eternity. The Hebrews 4.9 says that there is a Sabbath rest that remains for God's people to enter. And, and it almost becomes, this idea of rest almost becomes a picture of what will happen in new creation when we rest in God's presence forever. 
So there's a sense in which when we rest one day a week, there's a longing in our heart for a greater rest that is coming. And there's a sense in which once a week, this is a, a pointing forward to that day when Christ returns and we rest in God's presence forevermore. There is a rest to come. I mentioned a moment ago the idea of pleasure stacking, okay? If you've ever had one of those days where you do all your favorite things, have you ever noticed that towards the end of the day you start to get sad? Amy and I went on a cruise a few weeks ago. The last day was the worst day because you're sad. You're depressed. It's like it's coming to an end, you know? We got to go back to normal life. And if you've ever experienced one of those great days, you know, the greatest day of your life, then you kind of get to the end of it and it's like, ah, it's over, you know, or it's coming to an end. And there's a sense of longing in your heart, like, man, I wish this moment could last forever. Anybody ever felt that about a moment in your life? Like, I wish this moment, I could just capture it and it could last forever. You know what eternity is going to be like? Eternity in God's presence is going to be like the best day you've ever had that never ends. That's what it's going to be like to spend eternity in the presence of God. And we get to rehearse for eternity once a week. Once a week, we get a foretaste of that. We, we get a little snapshot of what it's going to be like forever when we enjoy God and His people and His gifts and the things that matter most. And we have our favorite day ever once a week and it all, it's, point, it's futuristic. It's pointing us forward to a Sabbath rest that is to come. It's like a sample. Anybody ever done lunch at Sam's? <laughs> I, I remember going through some days, you know, some days where uh, that was lunch, you know. It's like, hey, let's go to Sam's and let's circle the aisles. We get those little samples. It's like a little taste, a little preview of the Hot Pocket or whatever, you know. And that's Sabbath. It's like a little sample, a little taste of what God has for us. Every week when our family Sabbaths, it's, it's my favorite day of the week. It's my favorite day of the week. And I, I'm always upset when it comes to an end. That longing should cause me to worship. That longing should say, boy, there is a Sabbath rest coming. I can't wait for Jesus to come back where I'll spend eternity with him forever. Here's the fifth and final thing that Sabbath is about. It's about love. Sabbath, here simply, is... This weekly day of rest is a reminder of God's love for you in the gospel. I want you to think about this. Sabbath reminds you of God's love for you in the gospel. And here's how. There's so many things I could talk about here. But because we have cluttered time, and therefore I have limited time, I'm going to limit myself to just pointing out two or three. Uh, here's how it reminds us of God's love for us in the gospel. First of all, it reminds us that the gospel is about relationship, not commodity. We live in a world where humans are minimized to the level of a commodity. What I mean by that is that in this world, it is all about work and production and finding value in our contributions and what we bring to the table. So you're valuable as long as you produce. That's what it means to be a commodity. And that's the way the world treats us. God treats us as persons who are loved, where our value is not based on what we do or what we contribute, but simply based on God and His love for us. So taking a rest 
Every week, one day to rest, to enjoy God, to be in relationship with Him, reminds us that His love for us is not based on what we do. It's, it's not performance, it's covenant. Right? Another way to put that is not com- it's not commodity, it's covenant. God doesn't love you for what you do for Him. He just loves you. And once a week, there's a day to remind you of that, to, to just stop doing and just enjoy being. And in that, just be reminded, God loves me just as I am. God, God just loves me. It's not based on my performance. Here's the second thing. Sabbath reminds us the gospel is not about our work, but Christ's work for us. There's a sense in which when you think about the, the word Sabbath or rest, you can think about the entire salvation experience you could describe it as a kind of rest. Every religion in the world says that you can have a relationship with God or you can find God's approval if you will work hard enough for it. It's through good deeds, through religiosity, through moral effort that you can appease the gods or find approval from, you know, the supreme being if you work hard enough. Christianity says there is Nothing you can do to earn God's approval. And therefore, salvation is not about how hard you work to get to God. Salvation is about God's work for you. And your part in the salvation process is simply resting in that work. It's not about achieving God's approval. It's about resting in God's approval that has been achieved for me by Christ. So there's a sense in which uh, salvation is performance-based, but it's not based on my performance, but on Christ's performance. That Christ's performance for me is enough for me to be loved and accepted by God. And Sabbath rest actually becomes like that weekly reminder that my approval by God is not based on my work for Him, but His work for me. Amen? Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isn't that a sign of God's love for you? That, That God's not waiting, He's not holding back His love, waiting to see how hard you try. God says, there's, you, can't, you can't earn it. It's a gift. So I'm going to do the work. And you get to just rest in that work. So it's a reminder of His love for us. And, and finally, it, it reminds us, Sabbath reminds us, the gospel comes from a God who gives rather than takes. God is fundamentally a giver, not a taker. Now, the Israel, Israelites experience was that they had been living under a ruler who was a taker. And I'm talking about Pharaoh. You remember the Israelites' experience? They're living under the slavery of the Egyptians. They're living under impression, uh, oppression. And Pharaoh, what kind of ruler was he? Well, he was a cruel taskmaster. In fact, you can read about this in Exodus chapter 5. You remember there's an episode where uh, Pharaoh gets angry at the Israelites, and so he demands that they make more bricks with less straw. Anybody remember that story? More bricks, less straw. Pharaoh says, I value you Israelites only based on what you can give me. So I'm going to take, I'm going to squeeze all the life out of you that I want more bricks. You get less straw. That is how our world works. So how refreshing then for the Israelites to be delivered from that oppression, to be rescued out of that slavery by Yahweh, who in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 2 says, I am, I am the Lord your God who 
who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. You see, God is the one who delivers us from that kind of oppression, that kind of dehumanizing rule that is just about taking everything you can, can give. God is a God who gives everything He has. He just loves you like that. You know, uh, Thomas Edison invented the electric light bulb. And uh, fun fact, the first electric light bulb in the state of Texas was turned on in Marshall, Texas. But you know, Edison invented the light bulb because he wanted to create a sleepless world. Think about the, the era in which he invented the light bulb, right? It's all manufacturing, it's all about production, and when, when the sun goes down, production stops. But not if you can keep the lights on. So what drove him to invent the light bulb was to create this kind of sleepless world where you just have to endlessly work. That is, boy, that is just a picture of our world. Like we are going to run you ragged you're never going to stop. It's all about what we can take from you. The gospel is about entering a relationship with a God who just gives. And it's in the midst of a world where it's like a hot desert sun, the gospel is just like that shade tree where God just invites you to enjoy him and shows you his love. Now, here's the last thing I want to say for the day. And that's, it's, it's the shortest one, okay? So don't get nervous. All of our cluttered time. Who is Sabbath for? Okay, this is the quickest one, but it's really encouraging. I don't want you to miss it. Who is Sabbath for? Well, well just look back one more time, verse 10. <clears throat> the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. Now, let's just stop and reflect on that for just a moment because this is the first commandment out of the ten that has a view toward our neighbor. I told you the entire ten commandments is divided into two parts. The first part has to do with our love for God. The second part has to do with our love for our neighbor. Commandment number four is like the turning point where it's saying, okay, I want you to have a view toward not just yourself and your relationship with God, but toward the people around you. And so this is Sabbath is something that, that includes other people. Verse 10 says it's not just for you, it's also for your children, it's for your livestock, it's for your servants, it's for, your, it's for even resident aliens, right, immigrants. So listen, Sabbath is the great equalizer. God gifts this to, to everyone. In other words, this is not a privilege to be enjoyed by the elite or the wealthy or just like the important people in society. One person said that Sabbath redistributes and equalizes rest. It treats slaves as persons, not machines. Now, isn't that interesting? Even in the fourth commandment, God is saying there is human dignity. And that tells us a couple of things about Sabbath. First of all, it means Sabbath isn't selfish. We need to be thinking not just about our own rest, but how we can secure rest for our neighbor. We need to be mindful of, of our neighbors here. We need to not be taking advantage of others so that we can rest. So think here, right? It's Mother's Day. We, dads, we don't want to just rest on one day a week, but our wife has to be busy, like busy around the house. She's working extra hard so we can take a, a break. And we need to be mindful that every, we labor so that everyone can enjoy this kind of rest. And then I think this is very encouraging. Sabbath 
is where everyone is seen. Write this down. God takes note of the little people. Aren't you thankful for that? God takes note of the little people. Here he's not just saying, you know, that, that this is a gift to be enjoyed by the privileged elite. He's saying, no, it's for your children. It's for your servants. It's for your, even your, you know, your cats and dogs or goats or sheep or whatever you happen to have, your livestock. It's for resident aliens. God cares for everyone. Listen to me. His gifts aren't just given to the important people, the people with status or wealth or privilege. God cares. God cares about the widow, the orphan, the lower class, the outcasts, the downtrodden, the immigrant. God's gifts are for everyone. Who is Sabbath for? It's for you and your neighbor, whoever that neighbor might be. No matter who you are, His love is for everyone. Sabbath is a gift for everyone. It means that He sees you and desires for you, no matter who you are, that you would enjoy Him and His gifts. Isn't that a blessing? I want to encourage you, if you you think that you're too small to be seen, understand that the God who created the entire universe sees you, loves you, cares for you, and wants you to flourish. And so this gift is for you to be enjoyed. So how do we do it? How, how could we, I want you to think, that now this is the homework part. How could we enjoy Sabbath today? If Eugene Peterson says it's a day to pray and to play, okay, you've, you've prayed, you've gathered with God's people, you've heard from His Word, you've worshipped Him, you've focused your attention on Him, you've, that's pray. Okay, now how do you play? What would it look like for you for the rest of the day to just enjoy God and His gifts, the things that are most important? Uh, maybe the most godly thing you can do today is to take a nap for the glory of God. (laughs) I'll end with this quote. It's wonderful. Kevin DeYoung says, Sabbath is an island of get-to in an ocean of have-to. So stop, worship, rest, enjoy God and His gifts. Amen? Would you stand with me? Bow your heads, and I'm going to pray for us. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, and you'd like to know this kind of God, this is a different kind of God than the gods of this world, this is a God who loves you. If you'd like to know this God in a personal way, I'd love to talk with you about about that. Just after the service, I'll be out in the lobby. You come see me and I'll talk with you about it, how you can know God and His love in, in a very personal way today. If you're a Christian today, let's enjoy Him and His gifts. Take a nap this afternoon for the glory of God. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift that it is. Help us to focus on you and what is ultimate, what matters most so that we can flourish. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.